old song like that in the 80s? Josie's got a gun or something? Huh? Janie, Janie, Janie. I was close. I was close. So, um, so yeah, we, we, um, we're just, again, really thankful um, for all of that. I do want to remind you, I tried to get through the announcements really quick um, so that we could get to prayer and everything else this morning. One thing I did forget, next week, if you remember when Luke came back from his camp volunteering with all of the foster kids and everything else and, and the impact that that made on him and everything else like that, and he talked for a few minutes to us uh, about that, and so many of you showed interest and being involved in that next year and everything else. They will be here next week. The directors for the camp and everything else will be here next week to uh, present to us. They've got some videos uh, that will really give you a good glimpse uh, of what goes on at the camp and everything else. They will talk about the needs. And as we said uh, when, when we introduced Luke last week, there were kids turned away from going to this camp because they didn't have enough volunteers. Um, so as a church, right here in our own backyard... We have a huge opportunity to step up next year and help make a difference in that. So uh, they will be here next week to, um, to share information with us uh, about the camp and a little more detail. Uh, we're limited in what we can say because these are foster kids and there are limitations there. So that's why you know, Luke was really careful about what he said and you know, I know even less than he does. And so they will be able to come and, and give really good information because they know where those lines are and, and what they can do. So we're excited about them coming next week, and we want, you to, um, we want you to be excited and prayerful about that too because I'm excited about the difference we can make uh, as one of the many churches. It's a multi-church thing, uh, and as one of the many churches to join in with that. So I'm excited about that. Uh, we're going to read to you this morning from Acts chapter 16. And... Um, Lord's will will close up this uh, worship uh, as a warfare or prepare for warship sermon series that we've been doing. I'm going to be honest with you. I thought the closing message all along was going to be that moment in the Old Testament where Israel is, is marching to battle. And uh, you've, got, you've got two different armies, armies coming. They don't know each other's coming. You got two different armies coming and, and going to attack them, and one army would have been enough to destroy army, but the two armies alone would have absolutely wiped out the nation and everything else. And they put the worshipers in front and allowed the worshipers to worship on their way to battle. And they did this for a couple of reasons. They did this number one so that the soldiers would focus on God and not the battle, because if you focus on that battle, you're going to think, "Man, I'm going to really die." Right? And, and unfortunately, that's what so many of us do when we're in this warfare, is we focus on the situation, we focus on the circumstances, we focus on the things that keep us from focusing on God, and therefore we defeat ourselves before we even step onto the battlefield. Right? And, and so forth. So I, I thought we were going to preach about that, but that's not where God's put me. And I, and I think there's reasons for that, but I'll get into that in a second. But I just want to share the story with you real quick. Because of the worship and because it says all the warriors lifted up the name of Yahweh, that God turned the hearts of the two armies towards each other and they wiped each other out and Israel didn't even have to raise a sword. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. Huh? That's a, that's a real Bible moment where the power of God showed itself in a situation and in a circumstance that was beyond earthly control for those he loved and those he had endeared himself to and everything else, that because they turned their hearts towards him, 
They never even had to lift a sword. Man, if that doesn't make him worthy of our praise, if that doesn't make him worthy of our attention when we're going through a struggle or we're going through a difficulty or a situation, I don't, I don't know what does. Amen? And, and my Bible tells me that he's the same way back then as he is today. Amen? So what, it, what that does tell me is that, that if in my struggle and in my warfare and in my situations in life, if I turn my heart and I turn my mind and I turn my affections toward Him, then I don't even have to lift a sword. He tells us this. He proves this in the body of Jesus when, when Peter cut the ear off of his assailant there in the garden and everything. And Jesus picked the ear up and put it back on and He told Peter to put his sword away and everything else, and, and he convinces us that from this point forward, if our heart and our minds are set on him, then we don't have to live by the sword, and we don't have to die by the sword. Amen? Now, now I'm talking spiritual warfare, right? And I, and I believe there's a separation and a whole lot of different things, but what I want us to focus on is I want us to focus on our spiritual warfare. Amen? Because we focus on everything else. And I think that's why God really wouldn't let me preach the message about the, the two armies and everything else like this is because the reason is our roadblock to worship, our roadblock to worship is driven by our inability to turn our heart and our mind and our affections towards Jesus. I mean, we, we can have conversation after conversation and everything, and I'm, I'm no different, my family's no different, and everything else. And before you know it, our conversation goes from God to everything else. Family is more important. Work's more important. Right? This is more important. That's more important. Well, I got this to do. I got that to do. I got this to do. I got that to do. And everything else. And before you know it, we will consume ourselves with everything but the affections of a powerful and holy God. And then we sit there in our, in, our, in our despair, we sit there in our struggle, we sit there in our warfare, and we cry, why is me, without taking time to evaluate ourselves and realize that we never really tapped into the power of God? Amen? We, we might pray, right? We might, we might play a song on YouTube or the radio and, and everything else and feel good for five minutes, but then, you know, our mind goes right back to everything else. And we lose sight of this God who wants to win our battles for us so that just like the Israel army, we never even have to lift a sword. Amen? The first message in this series, we talked about this God who sits on a throne. And as long as we leave Him on the throne, He will dictate power and authority over our lives. He will fight our battles. He will engage the enemy on our behalf. The song she sang earlier today, that before we, before we were even talking, before we were even speaking, before we were even thinking, legible thoughts, he was singing over us. You know that's in Proverbs? That's not just a lyric to a song, amen? That's a lyric to a song that someone was deep in the Word and saw that and thought, oh, what a powerful thing, that God was singing over me before I was even intelligent. And capable and able. Amen? And so what we have to understand is, is that these songs aren't just feel good. Amen? If we wanted to feel good, I'd, I'd, put, I'd put secular radio on back there and we could, just, we could just have a time and then I'd get up here and shout and scream and spit. Right? And, and that's church. Hallelujah. Amen. Right? Or we, could, or we could sing the same old songs that we've sung and we sing like, oh, how great the Lord. 
Amen? And uh, Don't get me wrong. I love me some, oh, how great thou art. Right? Man, I mean, you want to see me drop. That's the song that will make me drop. Right? I love it. So I'm not mocking it. But what I'm saying is, I've been in churches again and again and again that have sung that song so many times that they sing it without heart. They sing it without affection. They sing it without power. They sing it without any kind of drive for the power of God to work in their life. Amen? And I believe it's why we are called to a place. You know, I believe, as I, as I shared in week two, amen, I believe it's why David said this isn't good enough. I believe it's why David evaluated the worship and he evaluated the psaltery, amen, of the time and everything else. And he said, this isn't good enough. I need more. I need something else. So what he did, he went and created more instruments, instruments that had never been played before. Amen. And, and where was the first time they were heard other than maybe the preparation? Amen. Where was the first time they were heard? It was in the temple. Amen. Because David said, we've got to keep this thing going. We've got to progress Amen? As, as we delve into culture and as we delve into those that need to hear the name of Jesus. Amen? I, I, there's nobody in this place more traditional than me. Trust me. I, I was raised in very traditional settings. And, and for a long time, I was arms crossed with those traditions. Amen? And then I experienced how big God is. It's not that I didn't like the traditions. It's not that I don't respect them. And it's not that they don't still have purpose in my life. But what I realized is God is, is a whole lot bigger than just that. Amen? And if we take that and we add more to it and we add new to, new to it and we allow Jesus to progress in culture, His Word doesn't change. He doesn't change. He remains on the throne. But if we allow Him to engage culture as He engaged culture when He came, He will make changes. Amen? And the change is meant to take place inside of us. And, I, and I'm sorry to say, I don't think that happens to the level it should. Amen? I don't, th I don't think it happens to, to the level it should. I think, I think so many of us, we, we, we put on our church face, right? We put on our church attitude, amen? We put on our brotherly love, and we show up once or twice a week, and we feel pretty good about ourselves, amen? But then when the struggle comes, then when the difficulty comes, then when our faith is tested and our faith is tried and we are pushed to our limits and we now need the resource of a powerful God on a powerful throne willing and able to do powerful things on our behalf, we're lost. Maybe not lost in our sin, but we're lost because we battle without power. We battle without victory. Amen? And so in processing all of this and putting all of this down and all these notes and all of these readings and all of these little things and everything else, God just wouldn't let me preach the two armies. So we're in Acts chapter 16 this morning. Acts chapter 16, one of my favorite, one of my favorite chapters, and it's actually from, from a, a scripture that was my second message. And I'm not re-preaching that message. I don't even remember what it was on. I just remember it was on the scripture. But the second message I ever preached was from this. And, and it's a story about Paul and Silas being in prison. And, and as part of their prison and after their beating and everything else, they find themselves in the, in the deepest, darkest of dungeons. And they begin to sing praises to God. Right? I'm going to be honest with you. When, when, when the rubber hits the road, I'm not sure that there's a lot of Christians as founded and as 
dedicated and as focused on God in life as they should be in a moment like that. I believe there's a whole lot of people who will point fingers here and point fingers there and blame. I believe there's a whole lot of people that will jump on the pity party wagon, amen, and feel sorry for themselves, amen. I believe there's a whole lot of people who will look beyond God and look beyond themselves and find the problem everywhere else but within their affection and their dedication to a holy God. Amen? Paul is the perfect example to us in this moment of what to live as Christ and to die as gain is all about. He is the perfect example to us in this moment. I want to point a few things out to you. Let me read some of it so, so no one goes home. I, actually, someone on, on, on YouTube pinged me one time and said, dude, you don't read your messages. How is that preaching? Or you don't read your scriptures. How is that preaching? And, and I said, well, if you'd have listened to everything else, you'd have probably figured it out, but that's okay. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God which shew unto us the way of salvation. Now, there's a few things I want you to grab from that. Okay? This woman was possessed. This woman had powers beyond this earth, but they weren't powers from God. And it created enmity with her, the spirit and the power that existed in Paul and Silas. And it set her at unrest, and she couldn't stand it. So she ran around behind them, mocking them and pointing them out. Friend, let me tell you what. When you walk in power... Oh, I'm going to preach this morning. When you walk in power... When you walk in power, when you allow the authority of heaven over your life and you choose to walk on the principles of a high and holy God above the things of this life, power will fall on you. Amen. And those not walking in power will mock it. Amen. And what you have to understand, friend, is we are called to a life of anointing. We are called to a life of power. We are called to a life of a God on a throne who says that belongs to me and I'm going to do work in his life. And if you stand in his way, I'll chop you down. Amen. I can prove that all day in Scripture. Amen. That's where we need to live. That's where we need to walk. That's how we need to think. Amen? And the world will rise up. The enemy will mock us and point us out. You want to know why? He's trying to intimidate us. He's trying with everything in his power to hurt us and intimidate us and get our eyes off God. Because he knows that's where our power is. Amen? And when we so easily do that, when we so easily do that, we become his servants and not the servant of a high and holy God. Amen. That might sting. Amen. But look in the mirror, friend, because it's truth. It's truth. We are called to a life focused on God. We are called to a life driven by His authority and His power, not those of this earth. Amen. And if you look all around us, from politics to, to family to work to, to capitalism to socialism to everything under the sun, we see left and right every day that the enemy is raising up institutions to take our eyes off of God. Amen. 
Now, don't misunderstand me. I know I've said family a couple times, and, and that's near and dear to all of our hearts. I love being a dad. Amen? And I have stood in situations where people were talking to me about being a pastor, and I have told them, look, the Bible makes it real clear. i got to run my household before I do anything else. So I will be a dad first, but trust me, I will not neglect my responsibilities. I'll be a dad. I'm going to go to my kids' ball games, but if it means 12, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, I will fulfill what I've been called to do. Amen? And you've got to learn that. You've got to accept that. And if that's, that's good with you, we'll have the next conversation. If it's not, let's say so now. We'll shake hands and I'll leave. Amen? But what, what we don't do, amen, is we give ourselves to these institutions, and some are good. Amen? Some are real good. But we give ourselves to them instead of lending ourselves to them. We are called first to be a son and a servant. We are called first to be a daughter and a princess in the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Everything else, everything else is secondary. And we have to understand that. There are times in my home when conversations will come up and I'll say, are you asking me as your dad or your pastor? And, and they'll say, well, is there a difference? I was like, yeah, there's a huge difference. My love for you and my devotion for you would make me say this. But according to the word of God, it says blah, 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 blah. And so that is what I'm going to put my stake on. And they're like, okay, we won't do this or we will do this or, or, or whatever. And friend, we have to choose that separation. We have to choose it. If not, the world will choose it for us. And then we'll end up over here in the woe is me place and the how did I get here and why is all this going on and, and everything else. Because if we choose to step out of the authority of God, He, he might bow His head and shake it and, and everything else, but He's not going to put you on a puppet string and pull you back. Amen? And so when we think about worship as a warfare, it has everything to do with us understanding who God is. In this situation, the power and authority of heaven was so strong and so vibrant on Paul and Silas's life that it messed up the spirit within this woman. And so she mocked them. She called them out. And it tells me that for days, Paul endured it. Amen? Did things, anybody in here have something get on your nerves? Huh? Hands up. And so I didn't say who or what or where. I just said something. Okay, broad territory. Right? Raise your hand. All of us have something to get on our nerves. Right? Amen. Anybody in here have someone who gets on your nerves other than me? Amen. Everybody raising their hand. Right? Everything else. You want to know how you endure that? Paul gives us the example right here. You endure that by being so focused on God that these little nippy things out here don't pull you down. These little nippy things over here don't even enter your psyche. They don't even enter your mindset. You just walk past them and, and discount them and move them off. Amen? And then you know, then you know when God's had enough, when God's had enough, He will empower you to chop it down. Amen? So what did Paul do? When the Spirit had had enough, it moved Paul to remove that Spirit from her. And all the carnal and earthly power that came with it. Amen? Now, that effect, I, I believe in capitalism, so, you know, don't, 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 don't think I'm, I'm, I'm anything different than what I profess to be. Amen? I believe in capitalism, but, but what we see here is we see people who are making a lot of money off of this evil. Amen? So let me say this. I do believe in capitalism, and if you're going to do it, do it right. 
You're going to make money? Do it, do it in a holy and ethical way. Do it in a way that when you put your tithes in the offering, you can feel good. You can feel good that you're empowering the house of God. Amen? You can feel good about what it is that God is doing and calling you in your life. All right? There's nothing wrong with making money. There's nothing wrong with having goals. There's nothing wrong with doing these things. But if that is an institution for you and you love it, and it possesses you, and you forsake God's purpose and call for it, then you might as well just take him off of a throne and throw him in a corner somewhere. Amen? Because you're not walking in the, in the power that's been endowed to you. Amen? And I'm, I'm not talking anything to do with me. I'm talking about the power out of heaven that, that has purpose and plan for your life. Amen? These guys were doing that. And, and maybe it started simple, but it, it went to the point that it was deep and bad. And they were making a lot of money off of evil. Amen. And so when God took that power away, they got kind of ticked. Right? And, and, and because of their money, they went and talked to the appropriate people. And Paul and Silas got pulled in. And the Scripture tells us... Did I ever read? Yeah, I did read some. I'm going to read some more. And at verse... And in verse 18 it says this, And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus to come out. Oh, don't you just love the authority? No, just get fired up. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And he, came, and she, and he the Spirit, came out of her the same hour. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains were gone... They caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers and brought them to the magistrates saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly, exceedingly trouble our city. And now, understand how they presented this. Amen? They presented, this, they presented them as Jews, being Jews. Amen? Because if they acknowledged the power and authority that they walked and lived by, they, they were giving proclamation to Jesus Christ. If they acknowledged Jesus' power in them, amen, now they were saying Jesus was real, His ministry was real, His work on the cross was real, and everything that came with Jesus was real. So they painted a picture that it was because of them being Jewish, not because of the power and authority through a resurrected King. Y'all ain't listening to me. A resurrected king that works in the power and glory of your life and resurrects you and brings you to a place. Brings you to a place that your adversaries fear and tremble because of the power that lives in you. Amen. How many of us walk there? How many of us claim that? How many of us choose to be that passionate and powerful? <clears throat> And the multitude rose up together against them, verse 22. And the magistrates rent of their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the judge. You want to understand that there is nowhere, nowhere the enemy can take us beyond God's touch. Amen? To live as Christ. To die as gain. Amen. I said in the beginning, if there was ever a scripture that, that proved that mindset to us, it's right here. Amen. Because why? No matter what happened, no matter how bad they were beat, no matter how bad they were bleeding, no matter how bad they were yelled at, cussed at, scorned, whatever, no matter what took place in this moment, Paul and Silas were not detracted. Paul and Silas were not covered up. Paul and Silas were 
in no way mistaken as to where their power and authority came from. Amen? Not once did they say, oh, I wish this was better. Not once did they say, oh, I wish, I wish this were different. Oh, I wish so-and-so would, would get theirs. Amen? Y'all won't have to raise the guilty hand. Amen. All right. They don't have to play in that battlefield. Amen? Because they're walking. They're walking in a battlefield with a whole lot more power and a whole lot more authority and a whole lot more purpose than that one. You with me? And so they found themselves, they found themselves in the deep dungeon. And they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. Paul and Silas prayed. Not Paul and Silas complained. Not Paul and Silas questioned God. Not Paul and Silas wished things were different or wished things were better. They prayed and sang praises unto God. Let me tell you what, if you're a mountaintop worshiper, that's awesome. It's awesome. Never going to denounce worshiping, okay, in any, in any stage or place. If you're a mountaintop worshiper, hallelujah, because I hope those experiences show you when you're in the valley of where you need to get back to. But the goal for all of us is to become spiritual worshipers. People so in tune with the kingdom of heaven and God and His throne and His scriptures and His intent and purpose for your life. That you are constantly praying, constantly seeking, and constantly believing in the power of His resurrection and purpose for your life. Amen? You see, where a lot of us don't ever go is a lot of us are that wonderful Christian at the foot of the cross. We believe in Jesus. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe His blood can take what's red as crimson and, and, and make it white. Okay, We believe that. We live that. We walk in that. No one will ever challenge us in that because we believe in Jesus Christ. We will even make the trip like Mary to the tomb and see the stone rolled away and we will believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We will claim it. We will live it. We will clap our hands for it. Amen? But so often, we never take the next step where we choose to be resurrected in His power with Him. We never choose to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And risen up, risen up with all power and all authority of heaven cast on our life. Amen? And let me tell you this. If you're anointed, you're going to serve. Amen? I've had people come to me and tell me for hours till my spirit hurt how anointed they were. But never seen them lift a hand to help anybody. 
Now, I've discerned a spirit or two, but I don't need any special gifts or powers to figure that one out. Amen? When you get over yourself, then you'll be anointed. When you choose not to walk in, in your vain glory, then power will come. Amen? Another institution, right? Self, self-proclamation, self-exaltation, and the church is full of it. Amen? Our power comes from that man, that God, that spirit that sits on a throne and bestows power upon those who seek him. Honey, you're not going to get power if you're not seeking Him. You're not going to be delivered if you're not seeking Him. You're not going to transcend from His resurrection to your resurrection until you are focused on Him. And when that happens, when you see Him high and holy on His throne, when you realize that in your worst moments and in your worst times and in your most anger and, 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 and de- depressed and, and defeated times, that He is still on the throne and He still has authority over everything and every situation and everything you're enduring, that's when you take the step as Paul and Silas and all those who followed them as apostles did to say, I'm not living my life for man. I'm not living my life for me. I am not seeking the institutions of this carnal world, but instead I am seeking the foundation of a holy God. That's when power falls. That's when worship becomes warfare. Amen? That's when the preparation is over and the warriors rise. Amen? And we become worshipers of a God who says, when my name is first, when my name is first, and when my name is lifted, and when my power is depended on and exalted, I will shake the world. And he did just that. He did just that. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Amen? Just like those sitting on their porch yesterday. Amen? And suddenly there was a great earthquake. Amen? That earthquake excite anybody but me? Amen? It's almost like I can see the hand of God sweep under the ground and shake this old world. Amen? And so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors we're opened. Amen. If you live your life feeling like a prisoner, it's because you're focused on the wrong things, the wrong people, and the wrong institutions. And you need to start claiming the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in you. In you. You need to start claiming it. You need to start living it. And you need to start walking in the power and authority of heaven. Amen? And the way you do that is by prayer, by supplication, by fasting, and by worshiping Him to a level and a degree that there is never a doubt in your mind that whatever is blown to you, that He isn't on the throne and He isn't working on your behalf. Amen? Because that's exactly Satan's goal. Satan's goal is exactly to get you to think opposite that. Amen? And he's good at it. He's good at it. He's crafty at it. He turns the best of friends against each other. Amen. Because for a split second, we get a little carried away in ourselves. Amen. We've seen it again and again and again. Our goal is to be so focused on God. 
Amen? Prepare for war. Prepare for war. You don't prepare for war by, by singing songs and getting chill bumps and doing all of this. You prepare for war by drawing your attention 100% to God, to His authority and to His power and to His purpose in you. And you believe it, you buy into it, you choose to walk in it, and you allow nothing or no one to detract you from it. Amen? And so it's important, it's important that we find ourselves there. Because then when we're beaten, then when we're scourged, then when we're pursued and mocked, we don't, we don't lose sight of where God is. We don't lose sight of His purpose for our life. We don't lose sight of what's really going on in this warfare. Amen? The Bible makes it clear, we, we presented it to you in last week's message, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We don't embattle the flesh. If you're embattling the flesh, then you are weak in the spirit. Y'all, some of you needed to say ouch right there. Amen? If you are embattling others in the flesh, you are weak in the spirit. Amen? Pray, supplicate, fast, and start worshiping God on His throne. Amen? Because that warfare is so beneath where God is, so beneath what He wants to do, so beneath His power, that He'll just move on. He'll just move on. Right? Doesn't mean, doesn't mean you're not saved. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean that He won't hear your prayers and doesn't mean that He won't work in your life. Those are not, that's not what I'm saying. We're talking about worship as a warfare. We're talking about getting deep and we're talking about God battling for us in the spiritual realm is what we're talking about. That's what I mean when I say he will move on. And He will bring His power and authority to those that choose to walk there. Amen? It's why, it's why He calls us to, to spirituality. He calls us to be a spiritual creature, not a carnal creature. Our flesh wants stuff. Our flesh sometimes needs stuff. Amen? And that's okay to, to, to pursue and meet those needs. Amen? But not, not be consumed by those needs. Amen? Be consumed with the power of God wanting to work and do amazing things in your life. Amazing things in your life. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. How many of you believe? How many of you believe that God will shake prison cells on your behalf? Oh, you're way too slow on that one. Amen. What it tells me, tells me you need, you need to pray, supplicate fast. Amen. You need to pull yourself up to the table. Amen. You need to get yourself close, close to the throne. Amen. I believe. I don't doubt for a second. I don't doubt for a second that God is working on my behalf and that he will shake prison cells on my behalf. Why? Because he loves Paul as much as he loves me. He's willing to work on my behalf the same degree to which he worked on Paul's behalf. Amen. I will never be pinned in the scriptures and I'm okay with that, but the reality is the same God that worked for Paul will work for me. The same God that delivered Paul will deliver me. The same God that will do unearthly things to save a soul will anoint and work in me. I believe it and you will never Never convince me otherwise. Amen? My wife has a saying, never say never. 
right? But I'll look her dead in the eye on this one and say, I will never not believe it. Amen. I might not always live up to it. Amen. Because I don't wear a great big red cape. Amen. Even though I hope, hope I'm doing better and better and better with that every day. But you will never convince me that God's power doesn't, doesn't shake the foundations of this world when he chooses to move on their behalf. Amen. A great earthquake, a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. Huh? Put, put, on your, put on your movie hat for a minute and envision that. Amen? An earthquake. Prison doors opened. Shackles just... Oh, man. Hmm? Some of y'all need to be let loose. Some of y'all need to let go of the things of this world and embrace the power of God working, working on your behalf. And the keeper of the prison awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and was ready to kill himself. You want to know why this was my second message? I played this guy in a play once. Summer camp, a little play that we did at the end of summer camp when all the parents come and we let him know how awesome we were and didn't tell him about all the shenanigans we did. Amen. I was in a little play where I was this guy. I was this guy. And I thought it was cool because I got to play with a, a, a fake knife. I was, remember those old rubber knives the kids used to play with all the time? They were really flimsy, on the, but the band was like really hard and you could hurt someone. If you threw it at them. Huh? Yeah, that's what it was. I got one of those. And, and, and I thought it was cool getting to be that guy because I got to be the guy playing around on stage with a knife. Amen. But as a, a nine, ten-year-old boy on stage that night when it hit me, what really happened here? I began to weep on stage. When, I, when it kind of hit me that I'm, I'm getting ready to kill myself, Spirit of the God, just, Spirit of God just took me over in, on the stage that night and I just began to cry. Almost like you would have expected this guy to cry. Now tell me God wasn't moving and God wasn't working in this place because until that very moment, I really hadn't given it a whole lot of thought other than, cool, man, I get to hang out with the knife, right? And I can remember the person who played Paul as I'm getting ready to do this came and he grabbed my hand and he grabbed my arm. And I probably wasn't as sweaty as I am right now because that's pretty gross, right? But what I'm saying is he, he grabbed my arm and I remember he stood there and he looked down at me and he said, no. The power of God will set you free. We are all here. We have not run. And we will stand with you. I remember his line as if it was yesterday. It's like a, a spiritual Kodak moment in my head. And I remember bawling like a big old baby. I remember people coming up to my mom after the thing. Saying, Man, he really got into his character. And I'm thinking, Tim, I said, not then because I was still too immature. But years later, I remember that moment. And I'm thinking, no, I really got into Jesus. I really got into the reality of the moment and what was happening in that person's life. And there are too many times that we're ready to take the knife, not physically, but too many times that we're ready to take out those institutions in our life because they drive us to a point of, of pain and they drive us to a point of suffering and everything else to the point that we just want to get rid of them and we just want to let them go. But we turn to everything else other than God. It's why we have to prepare for war. Worship. Right? And worship takes on many forms. 
It can be prayer. It can be fasting. It can be duty. It can be sacrifice. Amen? It can be crazy moments where we're waving hankies and running around the church and lifting up the name of Jesus. Amen? I, I love that we've got the Carrie Underwood going on with Josie now because can you sense how much freer she is? Now, I'll be honest with you. It's not perfect back on the soundboard because that's not a, that's not a vocal mic. Okay, it's, it's for people like me standing up here preaching kind of mic. It's not a vocal mic. So there are times that she kind of fades out because it's not meant to take the power that comes from her vocal cords. But we're working on that. We're going we're gonna to get to the point that we have what she should have in, in that realm. But until then, we're going to endure the cutouts. Amen? Because I'd rather her be free up here with her hands lifted worshiping than worrying about a microphone. Amen? And if that sets her free to do that, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Amen? So what we need to understand is sometimes our worship will take on a lot of different faces. It'll take on a lot of different phases. It'll, it'll take us to a lot of different places. All of it should humble us. All of it should humble us. All of it should bring us to a phase to where we realize that we are dust. We are dust. And our institutions, our plans, our goals, our, our wisdom is folly before the Lord. Amen? That's Bible. That's not Jay. Our wisdom is folly before the Lord. Amen? And it's, it's okay. It's okay to dot I's and cross T's. But sometimes it's just not going to line up. And sometimes we need to fall in the lap of Jesus and let Him be Jesus. Sometimes we need to fall on our face at the throne and let God be on the throne and do amazing things in our life. But sometimes the institutions and the things of this life captivate us to a level and a degree that we just don't get there. We want it. We want it. We want to be there. Amen? That's why, that's why guys go to boot camp. Amen? And, and one thing I learned in, in boot camp, anybody ever see Lone Survivor? Movie Lone Survivor about the Navy SEAL team and, and everything else? I remember watching that movie with Luke, and after that movie was over and everything else, Luke looking at me and everything else, and he said, yeah, it was really kind of Hollywood, though. I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, no body can absorb that. And I said, let me tell you, let me tell you something I've learned. Body can absorb a whole lot more than we realize. Been there, done that. I, I'm not, not pretending I've done that. Okay, not pretending I've done what those guys went through, because no, I was nowhere near that. Amen. I, I, I can remember boot camp and I can remember warrior school and I can remember all of those moments where my, my mind is saying, dude, dude, give up because this is too much. And I would just push a little bit further and I'd get there. And every day I'd put my head on the rack and I was like, man, if, if tomorrow is more than this, I can't do it. I, I don't have it in me. And I always thought I was pretty tough. Right? The next day I go just a little bit further, and the next day I go just a little bit further, and the next day I go a little bit further. Amen. And by the third phase of boot camp and by the different things that we did in warrior school and everything else, by the time of that, I got into a mentality and a mindset where I was like, bring it on. I can take whatever you got. I can take whatever you got. Bring it on. Amen. And when we prepare for war, when we prepare for worship, in that mindset, in that reality. Amen. It's not, about, it's not about the guns, Josie. I'm just saying. Okay, it's not about the guns. It's not about the toughness. But it's about the integrity and the devotion that you have for a holy God that sits on a throne and says, I will part seas for you. I will part seas for you. And I will tear down jail cells 
for you. If you keep me where I belong. You worship me where I am. And you let me love you and others like I want to do. I will do everything else. So we're called to that place. We're invited to that kind of living. Amen. Where those who are at enmity because of the power of God in our life will mock us. They will point fingers at us. They will accuse us of all manner of things. They will lie about us. There's a hundred psalms about that where David tells us, tell, tells us and tells God about all the bad treatment he's going through. But at the end of each of those, or maybe a chapter or two over, he says, But God, I will remain faithful. and I will remain focused on who you are. In your throne. So friend, that's the invitation. That's the invitation. The world is going to chew you up. It is going to spit you out. It's going to do all manner of evil against you for his name's sake. Amen. That's scripture too. What you have to choose to do is you have to choose to walk in your own resurrection because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You need to choose to be baptized in the name of Jesus and come up out of there with anointing and fire because of what comes out of heaven. And you need to choose that when stuff begins happening in this life that you don't let it take your eyes off of God. Amen. But instead you respond to the stuff that happens in this life with the authority of heaven because your eyes are on God. That's where we're called. That's how we really worship and that's how we win the war is when we worship God in that capacity. And in that mindset. And then he will even turn our enemies. Again, oh, I did get to preach a little bit. Amen. He will then turn our enemies against each other. And they will consume each other. And we won't even have to lift our sword. Man, God did that. Do you see how he did that? That's pretty cool. That wasn't planned. Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm like having a moment here. Because God brought that together just perfectly. Amen. Our sword should be lifted in devotion to a high and holy God. And if we live our life with that precept, he will fight all the battles. And we can sheathe our sword. And we can know that living, living is Jesus Christ. Dying is gain. Dying is gain. Amen. I'll close with this. My grandfather, tough booger, tough guy, coal miner, carpenter, farmer. I mean, you name it. He, he was tough, strong, scary man. Wasn't a huge man, but just scary. And he was scary, strong. He didn't have big ripping muscles and everything else. But when he put his hand on you, you knew game over, whatever it was, right? And, and, and he talked tough, and he acted tough, and, and he was all of this and, and everything. And um, I, had, I had grown up with that. Spent a lot of time on the farm and in, in, the, in the garden and everything else with him and around this mindset and this personality and, and everything else like that. And I can remember portions of my family, uh, mostly the parts of the family that didn't like him, talking about him being reprobate. And I can remember at an early age hearing them say that, that he was reprobate. And, and he, he endured a lot because of, of uh, his work in the mines. He developed black lung. He had some cirrhosis issues. And then he developed some heart issues. And I remember there being at the hospital with him the night before he went into open heart surgery. 
And um, his pastor came, talked with him, and, and the pastor left. And, and then he looked at me in big old tears, first time in my life. I ever saw tears in this man's eyes, big old tears welled up in his eyes. And he looked at me and he says, Jay, I want to be saved by the kind of God you serve. So we talked about it. And I led him to Jesus in that moment. And the next day before his surgery, his pastor came back from from Clay County and, and came back and, and, and we're sitting there in the, in the hospital room before he's getting ready to get taken back for surgery. And uh, I tell him, I was like, tell, tell Bob about last night. And so he does, he recants it and it was beautiful hearing it come from his lips. And, and I remember Bob, his pastor, looking at him and saying, he said, so when all of this is over, what are you gonna do? And he said, I, I wanna help Jay. I wanna, I want to serve him like I should have been serving God all of these years. My grandfather had his open heart surgery and he came out. He was in recovery. He ended up in a coma. He never woke up. And died. funeral home. I had a, a do-gooder. Some people say some really dumb things at funeral homes. And, and I'm, I'm usually not a very good one to say a dumb thing to me. And, and someone comes up to me, and they meant well. I know in their heart of hearts they meant well. They put their hand on my shoulder, and they, they had heard the story from someone, and I, I, I confirmed it. And, and they said, I bet you're just really bitter because you didn't really get to spend that time. And I looked at him and I said, no. I said, I am ecstatic. And in my heart, I am running around this place waving a hanky, praising God because a man who I had heard called reprobate my entire life is now standing side by side with Jesus by the crystal sea. So I said, get that garbage out of my face. Yeah, like I said, I'm not someone to say dumb things to. And clearly emotional in that moment. And it just caught me and I said what I thought. Amen. But I want you to understand, friend. Don't be like my grandfather. Don't wait till a deathbed. Amen. I believe in deathbed salvation. Okay. We can talk to scriptures on that if you want. Okay? So I believe he's in heaven with Jesus. But if your goal is to serve, don't sit on a bed years from now and wish you. Don't lay in a bed years from now and regret that you never really worshiped. Don't lay in a bed years from now and think to yourself, I was never really prepared for war. Let God sit on his throne and pursue it every day of your life. Prepare for war. And that all starts with a high and holy God. Stand and sing.